welcome to Musical Osmosis, where intelligent, dissonant thought meets melodic, euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, broadcasting to you as always from Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my procussively proficient co-host, calling in all the way from Charm City, Maryland. It is my pal, Odell. Happy birthday! Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. How are you guys? <laughs> Danielle is getting drunk in your honor. Oh, yep. boy. <laughs> well, She's thank been on you. a two-day bender to celebrate. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so what did you do for the big, what is this, 46? Yeah, man, four, 46. Um, Holy shit. What did you do for the big 4-6? Not too much. Just, uh, of course, I had to go to work, but uh went out with uh with uh, Susan for dinner. Um our good friends uh and your good friends uh, uh April came over watched the kids. She brought Adeline over. So she hung out with the kids while we went out. And um yeah, the the, the family spoiled me, which is always fun. And uh it's kind of tough cuz my birthday is exactly a week after Linus's. So, you know, I you know, you get, sort of get pushed to the to the back burner. But uh well, were they, you did, like they, they did well this year. Or Charlie Brown? Were you like Charlie <laughs> Brown? Like da 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 da, and you put your head down. And you're like walking yeah. to the tumbleweeds. <laughs> no, they they did well, man. They did good. Got some really beautiful cards and a couple nice gifts, and so you know. Dude, I tell you, September 9th (laughs) is a cosmically crazy day for creative types. It's your birthday, our friend Aaron's birthday, Beastwit's birthday, and Billy, a.k.a. Apollo's son's birthday. Yeah, yeah. What's it like to share your birthday with so many people? It's a good day. I know growing up, uh, I shared it uh, with uh, uh, Telly Savalas, a.k.a. Coach Jack. Yeah. Yeah. His birthday was on there, and uh, and then the... Magnificent that was a cool, Greek bastard. That's right. Him. I was one cool dude, man. And uh, so, yeah, no, I, I, it's cool. It's uh, it's really cool when you find out other people. Like, you know, one of the perks of social media, I would say, is the positive side of social media. Facebook is realizing, you know, having some high school friends that you never knew had the same birthday as you did. Also, you're like, oh, all these years, I had no clue that your birthday was on the. We were born on the same day, so that it's pretty cool. And then one of the negative aspects is you see death in your face every day. People you probably yeah. wouldn't even known passed away. Like today, Daniel Johnston passed away. I don't know if you saw oh, wow. that. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, and he was a very unique voice. He was kind of like a Wesley Willis type. He was, yes, he I was. guess he was autistic, right? I think so. I used so. to have yeah. one of his albums. And I mean, he would, but he was a, just a prolific writer and singer and he died at 58 today i didn't have a chance to open the article and see of what but i posted it on our page i'm sure details are in there right right man yeah he's definitely a unique voice but it's crazy because you would never know how many people that we grew up enjoying celebrities musicians etc had passed away you just wouldn't think about it if you didn't have it in your face on social media no not not as not as uh not as quickly too. I think, um, what year was it? 2016, if I'm not mistaken, it felt like everybody was just like, well, hey, we did a every- whole death special that year. Yeah. Yeah. And it was Prince, so crazy. Bowie, BB King. Oh, all kinds. Carrie Fisher. Um, I mean the George Michael, I mean, it yep. was like a whole bunch of people just like rolled out and 
I just remember Facebook. I felt like every day it was just, be, you know, something was pumped out, like rest in peace, rest in peace. And it's magnified, right? Because if there was no social media, I would have never fucking know Dr. Bombay from Bewitch died. Yeah. But then I yeah. see it come across, I'm like, Dr. Bombay, I love that guy on Bewitch. He was awesome. But I would have no, <laughs> I would never have given that guy another thought. I haven't watched Bewitch in 15 years. Would have never right. given that dude another thought had it not come across my social media feed. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's when it, it magnifies the negative as well as the positive. I would say it magnifies the negative a lot more than the positive. But maybe I'm yeah. an old cynical asshole. <laughs> well, that's what uh, you know you see on there quite a bit is the negative. And then everybody will throw a dog, you know, rolling in the field. And everybody's like, oh, look at a cute puppy. And then, bam! Yeah, picture it, of, yeah. <laughs> nothing is safe. All right, we haven't done yeah. a news story in a while, but I wanted to do this news story because I think it's pretty important. It's definitely yeah. something everyone's talking about. The new Tool album is out. Were you a yeah, fan yeah. of Tool? I remember in the 90s, if you didn't have Undertow, like if you didn't have an Undertow CD, you weren't getting invited to any fucking parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was a huge fan. The reason, the, the way I got into Tool was um, watching MTV, and I think they like 120 minutes and they premiered uh i want to say sober uh, prison sex or sober one of the two and come to find out like henry Roll they they didn't interview they talked to tool for a little bit but they talked to henry rollins and he had a big uh he was a a, a a backer of them a very big supporter of tool and i think he's actually on that album as well i think he does the spoken word on one of the songs on that album and um yeah, so it was like one of those things. I was like, well, if Henry Rollins is digging these guys, I could definitely got to check them out. And um, I've seen them in concert a couple times. I've seen uh, Maynard King, the other band, Perfect Circle, a couple times. Phenom Both of them are phenomenal. Uh, Tool is unbelievable. Their stage show is unbelievable. It, well, people uh, we, forget, too, dude, just to interrupt real quick, that yeah, they were yeah. one of the first like crossover bands into – I remember when Helmet came out. They were like the first one. And, it, and mm -hmm. people couldn't process it. They're like, these guys have short hair and they're wearing like army jackets or something. And Tool mm -hmm. was right behind them, like one of those bands that had a metal edge to them, but you couldn't stick them in that metal bucket. No, not at all. I mean, they're, they're such talented musicians. I mean, heck, the drummer, he teaches uh, like music theory, I think somewhere at a school, at a university in Florida. I can't remember which one it is, but uh so the whole, like, the way they, the Fibonacci sequence and all the math, uh, technical stuff, they're all behind wow. all of that. Yeah, yeah I could see that, dude, for sure. Oh, yeah. All right, so let me we got two articles here, and we got to get through these quick, because we got our guests coming up in about 10 minutes. The gotcha. first one is when Tool released their new album, Fear Inoculum, they also released their whole back catalog digitally. I guess they haven't made an album for something like 13 years, so they had no yeah. reason, yeah. or they were lagging. And they didn't release their album digitally till now. They released their whole back catalog digitally. And they're the first band ever to occupy all 10 spots on the top 10 digital billboard countdown for rock in history. Quite a fucking oh accomplishment, goodness. right? Dude, yeah. And, and, and they were one of those, like you said, they're one of those bands that people just like, man, when is Tool going to do another album? I know Maynard, he was in a whole bunch of different side little side projects and then of course he has his wine think vineyards and all of that so when they announced that they were coming out with another album i mean i remember the buzz was just huge and when they when they released their first single it was just like everybody was like oh my gosh you know 
And uh, so it, it doesn't surprise me, but yet it still does. <laughs> I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. Not also did they occupy every single spot on the digital Billboard Top 10. They also occupy 12, 13, 15, 16, and 21. So that's like 16 or 17 of the top 20 tracks is tool. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. They've got to be riding pretty high. I mean, that's got to be a huge validator, too, for that band. Because yeah. they still are kind of an underrated band. I, I I think they're a very underrated band. And it also shows you that people are starving for really, like in the mainstream uh, wave of music, which is lacking. Uh, is, there's a serious void in that um, where you have big, you know, big companies running all the radio stations. So you hear the same formats. It doesn't matter what state you're in. It's the same stupid formats on every station. You know, all of a sudden, a band like this, it just shows you that people are hungry and thirsty for, like, really, really good music. Okay, now let me hit the second story, which is the ridiculous story. Fear and Oculum, <laughs> the new Tool album. And, and you just listen to, like, Tool, and you hear the, the album name, Fear and Oculum, right? And that just punches yeah. you in the fucking gut. It knocked yep. out Taylor Swift's lover. What, like, who's making me? How is that? I don't understand how that album name is going to grab anybody. Lover. What is a yeah. third fucking grader writing this? Lover? <laughs> that's the best thing? You're a billion dollar product, a billion dollar brand. And the best name you could come out, you're like, what, nine albums deep? And the best name you could come for an album is, is Lover? Is Lover. But that's anyway, they knocked out Taylor Swift from the number one digital platform, digital countdown, rather, Billboard. And the Twitter feeds were exploding with angry millennials. Like, who the fuck's Tool? Oh, what is this Tool garbage? How dare they? They came from nowhere. And it's just so indicative of our society now. <laughs> the outrage. The outrage. How dare this band that they didn't grow up with, with that they'd never heard of. Knock out yeah. Taylor Swift. Can you believe the, the indignity? I know. It's 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 so sad. I, I, I you know, I poured a, a little bit out for her when... <laughs> <laughs> you think she's recovered yet? I, I, I think she's okay. I, 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 will her next album be called Sad Emoji? It'll yeah, it'll 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 be all about how Tool knocked her out of uh, the top spot, and then <laughs> yeah, it'll be like, a Tool Retribution album. No more singing about ex boyfriends. <laughs> My God! All right, uh, uh, we got to get the guests in here, but before we do that. And I know you're excited about tonight's guest, too. When I told you who was yeah. on tonight, you're like, whoa. Yep, yep, yep. You did like a yeah. Joey from Blossom. Whoa, remember yeah. Joey Lawrence? Whatever happened. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, there yeah. you go. I'm whoa. terrible no, I, at it. Because I think it was, it's been a couple years. I mean, we've, it's, you know, we've been doing this. But I remember, um, I think when I, at my in my old band, after we played, we would always just pull out new music or music that we hadn't heard of and play it. Um, and I and uh, uh, a friend pulled out uh, uh, this album and pull, and did uh, uh, one of their uh, songs. And uh, well, Pat Carey played that one, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this band is awesome!" And I think I I think I sent you a like one day we have to get this band on because <laughs> they because we played a few of their songs that night. I think I sent you a text saying that yeah, you, oh, I was probably like check out this band. They're really really good. 
So, yeah. And no, the stars awesome. have lined up. All right, Dee, before we get tonight's guest in here, who do we have coming up? Man, we have so many good acts coming up. Yeah, we do. I don't, why yeah, did I we say do. acts? Cut that acts. Cut that out. This ain't AGT. We got some uh, have... hip acts coming on this well, show. Ed Sullivan. We got some really good acts coming. <laughs> we're yeah, scratch true. that. Um, we have some really great artists coming on the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, we do. Weeks. It's going to be kind of insane because um, I'm a little bit excited. Next month, we actually have Greg Turner from the Angry Samoans. And yeah. I really like singing along with their stuff. Um, and we're going to have a pretty big Halloween show again this year. couple hours here. Um, not on Halloween, but you can listen to it on Halloween after you've gotten good and drunk. Um, we're going to have Katie McHale is going to be with us. Bonnie Bloomgarden from Death Valley Girls. Uh, Jeff Smith from Hickoids. And I know I'm missing one more. Oh, my uh, God. From and my God. The manager yeah. Max Sabbath is yes, back. Yes, yes, Max Sabbath. Yeah, and we've got some other stuff coming up. I don't want to, I don't want to give it away just yet. But we're and we're working. Dave on Dalton really... from Die Laughing Records is coming up soon too. Oh, and yeah. how can we forget? In two weeks, um, Kelly Mayo. Skating Polly. Skating Polly. Yeah. Yes. yes. Hey, hey, your wish list is getting for, um, fulfilled this last yeah. couple of months. Oh, yeah, no. All the bands you wanted to get on are finally making their way to musical osmosis. There you go. It's Odell's time. It's like the Goonies time. It's our time. It's Odell's time. time. (laughs) All right, let's get tonight's guest in here. All righty, tonight's guest is a poet of a personal and musically introspective nature. Her new album, Black Friday, tackles such important topics as sexuality, body image, and shitty tattoos. A truly honest and prolific artist, Let's welcome for the first time to our show, Ellen Kepner from Pale Hound. Hey, Ellen. Hey, what's up? Happy to be on the show. Yes, thank you so much. (laughs) And, you know, I have so much I want to dig into you here tonight. One of the first things I got to tell you is, me personally, I'm a person who, and I've said this before on the show, I'm very lyrically driven as a musician and as a music lover. I'm somebody who focuses far more on the lyrics than the music. If you've got me with the lyrics, then you've got me on the music. And as somebody who writes just such powerful and lyric-centric lyrics, I mean, the songs are built around just these beautifully honest and vulnerable lyrics. Is that a hard balance as far as writing the music? Or when you're writing, do you feel like, the do you try to make the music, the music just as important as the lyrics, like, tell me a little bit about that writing process and how you balance that being just such an incredibly lyric-centric type of band. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I definitely, like, especially on this recent album, um, took more time on the lyrics. But no, I don't think of anything as more important than the, the other. I kind of, like, think about music and lyrics as having a relationship that is, like, what I basically want to be doing is, like, painting a picture and telling a story with all my songs. And I feel like, mm. you know, definitely like you associate telling a story with, you know, lyrics and words, but I also think that the music like has such a huge part in that as well. So I don't feel like either of them are more important because I feel like they're so um, integral to each other in that way. Is it hard to balance though? Because you have these beautiful, and like I said, honestly vulnerable lyrics is it sometimes hard to find the music to accommodate it because it's such a high bar? Um, yeah, sometimes, but it's also kind of part of the challenge, you know, to like find something that um, highlights what I'm saying and, and something that matches the mood and something that can like 
help evoke those emotions. Right on. Odell, um, I know you were really excited when I told you who we were having yeah. on tonight. Yeah. Um, I know you're probably not as lyric-centric as me, right? Being a drummer and very musically focused. And I just was right. kind of an asshole beat on the bass, like three-chord punk songs. But you're more <laughs> of a musician's more musician. Um, how do you feel about Ellen's lyrics? And do you kind of focus more on lyrics when you're listening like I do? Well, yeah, I definitely, definitely focus on lyrics. Um, it also depends on the artist and where they're coming from. I know, like, I've been, like, first off, Ellen, I've been a, big fan for a while uh, uh one of my friends got me on to you back in like 2015 and you guys he just was like hey check out this band and he played he actually played pet carrot off of, he he saw it and he played it and he fell in love with it so at band practice one night after we play we always you know listen to different music and stuff so he got me into you guys um but i've noticed that um with you uh at least like lyrically and musically the songs are so, uh, they go so well together because um, the nice thing is you can't really put you into one perspective. Like one song can sound completely different than another song. Right, and, yeah. and, it, and then the lyrics also are completely different. A lot of, and I, and I congratulate you on that because a lot of artists out here, it's, you know what you're getting as far as like, okay, they're going to talk about this and they're going to talk about this again. And then they're going to talk about it some more. But you go all I mean, you go from one range all the way to another. And um, I just I applaud you on that. Thank you. Thank you. And um, that's cool that you listen to the stuff after band practice. I, I love that. We yeah. always do that in our band <laughs> practice, too. So that's cool. Um, but, yeah, um, well, I definitely am like that as a person, kind of. Like, I'm kind of all over the place in general. Like, I don't know, my friends. Um, tell me it's because I'm a Gemini, maybe. Ooh, I'm <laughs> a Gemini, to... too. Oh, you are? Hell, and my father's side of the family, my father is from Noxus, Greece. So we do have a lot in oh, common. Oh, wow. Oh, we do have a lot in common. Yeah, I'm from... What, what's your birthday? June 2nd. Oh, my God, I'm the 10th. So close. Oh, there you go. My sister's the 16th. June 16th. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess just in general, like, I'm, I'm the kind of person, like, I, I don't have things that I really stick to. Like, I, I listen... I'm very like, I don't know. I'm very like fickle with things. Like I kind of like switch on and off on different like hobbies and different artists and different like I don't know. I'm I'm kind of like kind of a mess <laughs> in a lot of ways, and I'm kind of all over the place. So I think that that is just something that like it's it's funny because like um, people have told me that about my music before, where they're like, yeah, it's it's kind of like you know you get a bunch of different stuff going on. And mm -hmm. I'm just glad that people like that because that's like the only way I know how to do it. You know, I like can't really um, do the same thing again and again because it's just kind of like, I don't know. I don't, I don't really, I'm not really inclined to do that. I guess I, I kind of like have more fun and feel like I'm expressing myself. Yeah, more I think that's a, a gem different stuff. And I think um, because Nick does the exact same thing on the, I mean, we've, you know, now we're just on musical osmosis, but for those who have been longtime listeners, you know, they know we actually came from tin can media, which was our network, which had everything under the sun from politics to comedy. So yes, I think it's a Gemini yeah. thing. You guys I just have to have thing. your hands in as many pots as you can to just yeah. do all the things and it's whew, I never feel like fun. I'm getting enough on me I can never get yes. enough life I'm like there's mm -hmm. little things in uh what was it the Langoliers I'm like there's little monsters that just gobbling everything up in the Langoliers 
I yeah, just say, you I'm know. really into hobbies, too. <laughs> yeah, like, right here. Yeah. Hobbies, and I'm constantly doing, like, I'm constantly picking up, like, I picked up crochet, and I got, like, super obsessed with it for a month. And then it was skateboarding, and then it was painting, and then it was, <laughs> you know, writing short stories. It's just, like, I can't stick on one thing in my life at all, like, ever. No, I get it. I'm the exact same way. And I actually get mad when people try to introduce me to new things. And, and it's like someone will try to introduce me to anime and I'm like, get it out of my face or I'll get obsessive and buy everything anime for the next six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely like there are certain things in pop culture that I'm steering away from to avoid obsessions. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> By the way, I want to mention something because you mentioned croquet. Um, I was on your store on your website. I have to tell you, man, you have one of the best merch stores for a band i have ever seen you've got your worthy mm-hmm, yeah. embroidery kit and i'm just looking through and you just have so much cool stuff the little keychain the cassettes it is literally and i mean this this is like one of the coolest like little stores i've ever seen it just reminds me of just so like grassroots in india i love it thank you yeah i am um, kind of i used to really suck at merch like the first like year oh my god was playing shows I didn't even have like a t-shirt and so that's been like that's like a new thing for me like ever since signing to polyvinyl actually the label um gotcha because they have like a really great merch team and like it's been super fun it's something I didn't think I would ever have like a ton of interest in but that's kind of like it's my new love I love like well develop it because you're gifted at it yeah like we have lighters and like people have been loving those I don't know it's just like fun to think of stuff that like you don't find on other merch tables. Yeah, I mean, you have to take, and Odell, you know this from back in the even Steven days with me, you really have to take mm-hmm. kind of a, I mean, I'm not saying that this is a P.T. Barnum approach, but you have to take a P.T. Barnum approach, I think, to anything in life and just really get out there and be robust about things. And when I look at this page, I'm just like, man, this, this the colors mm-hmm. and everything, it just, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but it just really grabs me. Oh, well, cool. Thank you. Yeah, and I noticed, I mean, and that's the nice thing uh, I feel um, with talking to uh, artists that we talk to, especially artists younger than Nick and myself. Which is, is that, basically uh, everyone, except which the is everyone now. Get on here. <laughs> yeah, but you got, you know, you're involved in so much, which is really nice. Like you were talking about, you know, I, I, I pick up painting or I picked up, you know, crocheting or uh, whatever. And you're like, but it's still, but you still have that love for doing the music, which you can actually take all those aspects in some little finite way and put them into your, in, into your music. So I, I find yeah. that, um, I think yeah, that's a really exactly. cool thing. Yeah, that's why I try you. to tell my yeah. kids. I'm like, no, dude, you know, my son was like, Hey dad, I want to skateboard. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get you a skateboard. Hey dad, I want to play football. Sure. You know, I I'm mean, like, kids today yeah, and younger people today have a much bigger scope in the nineties when people are like, yeah, you're doing this band thing, but what are your hobbies? I don't know, getting fucked up and fucking shit up. Like, I didn't, I, I was not a real person in the 90s. I didn't like grow as a person until I reached my 30s. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I get it. For sure. All right, let's move on because I want to go back kind of to the writing process and your lyrics because your lyrics fascinate me. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're singing lyrics that are dishonest, I'm going to keep using these words, honest and vulnerable, how does that translate live? Is it a lot harder to sing it live because there's so many emotions stirring in you? Is it really taxing on you? 
it's really situational honestly it depends on the show and like it depends on who's there because it's like you know at a certain point like it's it's yeah i mean like especially like now that i'm starting to play the black friday song for the first time like i'm mm. pretty much emotional every time i play it now because i'm still it's still new and i'm still getting used to playing those songs and being that vulnerable but after a while you know it becomes kind of like especially when you tour a lot it becomes a routine and like there are some nights that it's like you know i'm so tired that it's hard to get emotional even you know it's hard like i'm too tired right. to be emotional on stage but you know there are other nights when i think i'm gonna be really tired and i think i'm you know not really feeling it and then there's like someone in the front row who just like is crying and singing every word and like that makes me cry or like you know what i mean it's just kind of like <laughs> i don't know it really just depends because it's really like you know kind of easy to get in the rhythm of things as like a touring artist and and it's easy to like kind of get detached from the art but you know i don't know it's kind of here and there i guess but i imagine the connective tissue between you and the fans especially a live audience has to be massive has to be really intense do you get a lot of people after the show coming up to you and sharing personal stories with you yeah for sure um you know i i definitely try to make an effort to get to the merch table at shows every night like after we play because i do want to talk to people and i've had i have talked to some people that have really um told me some really you know um personal and and deep stories and and experiences about themselves and and i just i'm really grateful that um you know people feel like they can share that with me sometimes and i know that um i, I and i i've just doing research on you and watching some videos and, and, and just talking to, uh, reading things on you. When you do your set list, it, uh, it, it, it was really unique how you were talking about how um, a lot of times you, 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 you do it off of like patterns. So you'll have like really big bombastic songs and then you sort of go into that little mellow law, then ended doing different things. Is that something that you guys uh, try to do every night or do you keep the set list pretty at least when you're touring, I guess you would have to keep it sort of uh, uniformed. Um, yeah, that's a that's a good question because that's something that like before I started playing live, I always wondered about bands and what live shows. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, we we do. It's a mix of both. You know, like I I think of one set list for a tour usually, but I put a lot of thought into what that set list is and what the order is, and then when we rehearse the songs and the order and the set in general we practice different transitions or we practice like breaks where someone will play keyboard and someone else will tune their guitar. Like, you know, it's very, it is really strategic, but it doesn't mm -hmm. change over the course of the tour usually, unless we decide to like spontaneously throw a cover in or do an encore or something. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, it, and, you know, it, I feel like, and I'm starting to learn a lot here. I, I, when I was originally listening to you and digging into the lyrics, I felt like everything in the band and everything in your artistic career was kind of emotionally driven just because of the amount of emotional energy you put into it. But it sounds like you have a really good kind of marketing and business savvy grasp on it as well, right? Kind of. <laughs> I don't know. I guess like in some, in, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I, I wouldn't say, mm, I wouldn't say marketing as much as, or, and, and business as much as like, I, I don't know if that's the word I would use for it because it's like, I'm not really referring to that. I'm more referring to like the experiential parts of the music where it's like the experience of seeing us live and how can we make that as good as possible instead of gotcha. like 
you know, regurgitating the songs live. Um, so I was right but, from the start then. It is a very emotionally driven venture. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, that's part of it. That's part of the creative process for me. But I don't know. Uh, Business-wise, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I definitely, like, <laughs> have a lot to learn. Um, I would like to be better and more knowledgeable about things in general, <laughs> I think. Well, digging more into the writing process itself, when you're actually writing these songs, is it overwhelming? Is it? I mean, I imagine the amount of energy that it has to take out of you has to be emotionally draining, right? And how do you feel when you finish these songs? I'm, I know I'm all over the board here, but I'm just fascinated by this. Well, um, you know, I don't really have a speci- any specific feelings associated with finishing songs-wise. It's more about just the set as the whole, because I don't really have time on stage to process well, I was actually talking about know. the writing process when you finish writing a song. Oh, the writing process. The complete oh, oh, work oh. itself. Um, well, you know, there are some songs that um, I have like a real buzz after finishing. You know, like after I wrote yeah. the song Worthy, I had like a buzz off of finishing that because I was like, oh, it's kind of like a pop song and it's kind of a love song. And it's also like, yeah. And then I kind of, I, I guess I always kind of have a buzz after finishing a song in general, because it usually is some kind of release, you know, it usually is something that I've had pent up or something that I've been thinking about finishing or something like that. And then it just feels really good when it's, when it's done and it's released. Um, but there are some songs that, you know, after I'm done writing them, I, I feel really bummed and then I come around to them. I mean, it's just, it's so, it's so different, you know, too, in its own ways. Even though this album is incredibly personal, was there stuff even in your growth as a person right now? Was there stuff that you were still holding back and didn't make it on the album that maybe you're going to tackle an album or two down the road? Like emotional stuff or songs? <laughs> emotional stuff. Is there emotional <laughs> stuff you were like, hey, I'm not ready to reveal this yet. I've given enough on Black Friday. I've spent enough emotional energy on Black Friday. And this is, I'm going to wait a couple albums before I tackle this. Or did you kind of pour everything you were feeling in that moment into this album? No, I don't really think about, yeah, I don't really think about it like that. Like, cause it's like not for me, it's, it's, um, uh, it's like, yeah, every album is kind of a snapshot of what the year I wrote it was like for me. You know, I just kind of like, I'm gotcha. not holding yeah. things back really because that's not like, that wouldn't be, I don't know. There's no point to me in holding things back. I, if I write something, you know, there's no, if, if I write a song and I think it's good and if it expresses what I wanted it to express when I wrote it, then I don't think that like a subject matter would keep me from releasing it or something. Right um, on. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm not consciously like planning ahead that way at all. Like I'm just kind of like writing as I go and recording as I go. You know, I'm not like, oh, I'm going to write about like my tr- this particular facet of my trauma, like, you know, two albums from now or, so, or like next album. Or, like <laughs> I don't really think think like that so much. It's How about very, um, like, stream of consciousness? Are there are there any songs that uh didn't make the album that you guys still play out or or is that something that you're just like now you know if they did if it didn't make the album we're not we're not doing it um there were a couple songs that we recorded for the album Mm -hmm. that didn't make it and well one in particular there was one song that we recorded that didn't make it i don't think i think it's just done because when you like it's also it's i I, you know it, it was a song that i thought could make it um but 
after trying it so many times and listening to it so many times, I just realized that it's just not a good song. <laughs> and that's usually <laughs> why things don't make it. Yep. The cut is like usually because I just don't like it or I'm embarrassed by it. And then it probably, it just dies usually right there. <laughs> gotcha, um, but gotcha. who knows? Maybe that one will live again, but I don't think it will. <laughs> Do you feel like you're inspired more during the writing process creatively from real life situations or do you get a lot of inspiration from music and art are there things artistically that are really driving and inspiring you right now um always yeah there's like other artists and i think one of the most inspiring things for me as a writer is just touring with other musicians with other bands mm. that i like and and seeing and learning about bands on the road and like you know it could be like you know like for example we're, we're about to go on tour with a uh, big thieves and mm, nice. they're like they're for like a month and I'm like I know <laughs> that I'm going to learn so much from that and that I'm I'm like not setting any expectations for that tour because I'm like oh I, I can't possibly imagine how that's going to impact me but I know that it will because they're one of my favorite bands and then right. yeah I guess that's just an example of like touring with artists that I respect the hell out of or like even in other circumstances, you know, like we played a show in like Reno, Nevada, that we were like the headlining band and we just, we didn't really know who the supporting acts were, but then we played this, we played with this band called like Stir Lightly. That was like amazing. And I'd never heard of them. And they were like, you know, just like that should happen. So that was inspiring. And, um, yeah. So it's, a, it's, it's everything. It's just like a combination of like what's going on in my life. And then also the art that I'm experiencing and, and the music I'm hearing, you know, is very inspiring as well of course How i gotta been? tell you 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 are an inspirational person because for me and just hearing the positivity i am very hobbled by what's going on in this country politically and i'm not going to go down a huge political rabbit hole but with all, everything going on is that something that seeps in around the corners where some days it's like man i can't even fucking create today or i, I don't even want to go out and play today because there's just so much like horribleness going on or are you pretty able to isolate and insulate yourself from that creatively? I mean, I'm sure reading about you that you're very conscious of what's going on, but creatively, yeah. are you kind of able to insulate yourself from that? Because I find myself having some days I'm like, man, I don't even want to do the podcast or I'm just going to go on a, a freaking political rampage for an hour about this administration. Yeah, I mean, yes, <laughs> it's <of course laughs> something. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know where to start. But yes, of course, what is happening right now is something that is deeply effective to me. And it's, 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 and it hurts and it, and it's exhausting. And it's, but it's like that for everyone, you know? And it's like, for me, I'm kind of, I'm kind of like, well, I have this opportunity to be creative and that privilege to be creative in this climate. And I should not let this stop me in any way because then they're winning you know what i mean right like yes it's, very it's, true good it's point like, good you point. know it's like if if that news and if his fucking face and his fucking words are preventing me from doing what i do and creating then they're winning and i that's not helping anyone you know what i mean and you're you're giving in so i'm just kind of like and also just like you know i don't know just that's it's it's just a part of our everyday lives and, 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 and at this point, which is so fucking horrible, and it definitely does have, like, this deep, deep effect on us all subconsciously in ways that I don't even think we can process. But, like, 
I do think it's really important to work in spite of that. And like, especially with playing shows, especially as like a queer artist um, myself. And like, I do try to foster a space where people can just forget about that for a second or not forget, but feel like they're around people that they feel safe with or people that like, just, I don't know. It's just, I want my shows to be opportunities for people to process that or escape it. And I'd never think to not perform or not write in face of what's happening. Well, my hat's off to you. I mean, I always say art is the last defense against fascism. And I used to do a lot. I used to have a political podcast. I was a political writer, did activism work. And things got so ridiculous where I knew there was no reaching the other side. And honestly, their hate was just making, like I always say, you can only have so much shit thrown at you before you yourself become shitty. So I had to remove mm-hmm. myself from that situation and I'm into what I now call weaponized creativity where I pour all my energy into facilitating and helping out bands and artists any way I can. I'll promote yeah. their yeah. stuff everywhere. I've got a huge network because I do social media work as well and I'll send a bunch of um, traffic over to all the bands and I'll put them all over my pages and, I, and I'll any kind of money that I give that I used to give to other things. I'll give to local bands and I'll give to bands that are starting out to their GoFundMes and their Patreons. And I just think that it's important for artists to support artists because, once again, art, to me, is the last offense against fascism. Yeah. But I also think that it's really important for artists to support non-artists as well. You know, that's something that I try to focus on because artists are usually people um, who have, you know, artists people who get to work as artists are the lucky ones and there are so many people that don't have that opportunity to be artists and the people that don't have those opportunities are usually the ones that are being um, impacted the most by what's happening politically Mm -hmm. in this country and so I think that that's that's been my focus recently is like as much as I want to I do try to support bands other bands obviously in what I do but I think the main focus right now is for people with platforms to use them to speak up for people that don't. That's a good point, and I think Amen. this is a good opportunity to mention that 10% of the proceeds to Black Friday actually goes to the Center for Immigrant Children Rights, and that's very, very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, just like having those, yeah, just what I said before, yeah, I guess. Now, I'm, so I feel you. I'm, yeah. just, I'm in a space right now where it's like I just want to drown the world in beautiful and great art because there's nothing more that some of these hateful assholes hate than seeing somebody else like having a good time. Because it's all like, we're going to own the libs, liberal tears. Uh. And there's nothing more they hate than just seeing people out there having fun and putting out beautiful music and and being united. And it's just like, once again, I'm stuck in this hole of, I just want to put out the art because art is a huge buffer against fascism. Yeah, it is. And it's also just like, an opera, it just, art is something that also just like provides a window in someone's day to enjoy themselves too. Yeah. They might not have another, you know, or just like, yeah, I don't know, just bringing joy or bringing some kind of peace and something, you know, and and something that can be perceived. It's almost like a shoulder to lean on too. You know what I mean? It's like, um, you go to your show and, 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 people connect and you may like you said earlier you may not know the person but somebody is like emotionally uh uh you know emotionally um driven towards your music or emotionally connected that way to the point where wow 
I'm not the only one that feels this way. She's not the only one that feels. Yeah, this it way. gives them strength. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's a, it's yeah. a, it's a special yeah. it's a really special thing when you when you have that. I I remember years ago when I played in a band and you know we played a show and there was only a handful of people there. It wasn't a really big show, but you know I somebody was like, well, you know, no one's here. Da 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 da. And I was like, look, there's people here for a reason. These how many people are here are here to see something or need to see something or want to see something. It's either a to enjoy themselves or they just want to get away from something. Um, or there's something in our music that they're connecting with. And that's why you still got to give it your all. You know, you can't. Absolutely. It's like a privilege to be able to do something like that. I think a lot of people don't realize that. Totally. And like, as like one of the things that has like pushed me to be the kind of artist that I am and to be vulnerable and to try to prioritize setting space for that is, because of my experiences as a fan honestly and Mm -hmm. like how much like how many moments of my life have been defined by being a fan of music and just remembering those moments and remembering how they felt or how they impacted me and just trying to to keep those with me as I proceed as an artist as well like trying to you know bring those experiences and like what those artists did to me and trying to emulate that for someone else let me kind of shift gears here because people who do what you do, artists, musicians, everybody in general, I'm so fascinated by people. I've seen that you have a lot of good reviews from Pitchfork, NPR, stuff like that. Does this stuff kind of give you a validation where you're like, oh, like you hyper focus on critics as well, which I don't think you have a lot of critics. I went on some of your YouTube videos. I didn't see any negative comments, which in is in of itself is a great accomplishment. But when you get all these great <laughs> yeah. in, like reviews from just these heavy hitters like NPR, does it give you a certain validation? Or are you so focused on helping the fans, connecting with the fans, having a message out there that can help the next person, that all of that is just kind of trivial to you? You know, I really wish that I was a person that could say that that stuff was tri- trivial to me, you know, because <laughs> especially given like, you know, just all the stuff that I've been talking about and what you said, but no, it's it's not trivial to me. You know, it still is like, you know, I have a lot of anxiety about critics and, and stuff like that. So I have been like really weirdly lucky with everything, like, you know, and like not having many trolls and many critics and, and on my shit. But um, yeah, I mean, that is... That does it is validating in this way that it like I don't really know honestly because it's hard to talk it's hard to explain how I feel about it without sounding really pretentious because I feel like talking about press in general is like just this pretentious thing to do but like it just um hey look very lucky (laughs) look when you have NPR when you have NPR and you're doing like the tiny desk concerts. That is a, a bravo. That is a huge bravo. And I, I, I will pat you on the back on that. That, that is a, like serious. That's they, you know, NPR is, is a beautiful station and they know their stuff. And when they, and they believe in their stuff that they push and yes, when, democracy when you, now is another good one too. Yeah. And when you're on there doing a tiny desk concert and you've seen the legends and I know you you've seen the legends um, Ellen that have played that yeah. show and, and up and coming and future bands that have taken off. 
from that. That's a huge accomplishment. Bravo to you because that is Yeah, thank awesome. you. That was yeah. definitely, I mean, the, the dining desk is definitely like one of the things that I'm, you know, that's definitely, of course, I feel the same way about it. You know, that was like the ultimate honor. But I guess now that I've thought about it a, a little more, I, I have a better answer to the question about press, which is that at first, um, when I first started getting good reviews, it did feel really validating. But now it has kind of just, because I continue to get good reviews, which is such a blessing, it has mm-hmm. also kind of, it has kind of fostered this very deep fear that I have now of rejection, <laughs> where it's like I've become accustomed in a way, or like try to not become accustomed, but in a way still am to like good reviews, where it's like, now I have this like huge anxiety about press and like, I'm waiting for it to end, you know, I'm waiting for it to because the music business is like incredibly fickle and so is right, the press right. especially. So I'm kind of like, well, it's been good for this long. Like I'm waiting for the bad one now, you know? So it's kind of actually made me <laughs> way more anxious <laughs> in some ways, you know? But you have to give yourself credit because you're such an, such an honest and approachable person. When I first went on YouTube and I'm clicking around different videos and stuff and I see Aaron and I already know what the subject matter is. I'm like, oh boy, I don't even want to see these fucking comment threads. But actually, yeah. the comment threads of your stuff has been overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, it's it's kind of really funny because I, I have gotten really lucky with, with being online and not having very many trolls. It's kind of like weird almost like because a lot of my friends who are in music you know talk to me about their like horrible horrible trolls and how big of a role they play in their lives and i'm just like Mm kind of cruising by but that's the other thing is that that i'm waiting for i'm like where are the trolls when is like one troll gonna tell all his troll friends about me like when's that moment i feel like that's gonna happen at some point and it's gonna be fucked up all the little trolls whispering (laughs) under the bridge well let's not jinx you let's Let's play a song off the album. We're going to play Black Friday. Um, kind of set this song up for us because this is actually a subject matter that struck very close to home for me. Um, yeah, this song is just kind of um, about it's kind of about self confidence in within relationships with people that you feel really safe with and people that you love and, and not feeling like you're enough for those people and what like love can make you think about yourself in that way and that like the negative aspects of a good relationship or like just yeah that feeling of not being enough i guess well what i drew out of it it was it was uh, about allowing yourself to continue to be in what i call one-way relationships and i've had a lot of problems in my life especially with friendships not with you adele you've always been awesome but there have been people (laughs) in my life over the years who it's been like man this is really a one-way friendship i call them 10 times to their one time you know i always have to go to their house like you know and it's it's really a hard thing to escape because once you start kind of hacking away and going all right well this person isn't treating me well enough it's it's an easy road to go down and just start hacking all those trees down. So it's it's a delicate balance. I feel like I mean relationships are so, my you know my grandmother used to tell me when I was a kid being an adult mm-hmm. is so complicated and I never fucking understood that in my little 13, 14 year old <laughs> adolescent mind. But now that I'm an adult, I'm like fuck. I get what my grandmother meant. Relationships are complicated as shit. Yeah. They are, yeah. I mean, it definitely is about like one-way relationships as well, and just how to, you know, keep your sanity within those. All right. Well, let's play some Black Friday, and we're gonna come back and kind of finish up and get you out of here. Uh, D, are you ready to take it away? 
up with this me being from the punk world and i just just really love very straightforward my favorite punk band is the pissed because of the lyrics and because it just kind of a straightforward and, and even steven did this too just um i don't want to say simple because that connotes that i'm trying to put it down or something and i'm not that's what i love the most but just a very straightforward type of band and in your early years you were in a band called cheerleader and i actually oh found <laughs> the band camp for that <laughs> And I yeah, really yeah, dig yeah. that band. I mean, I really dig. <laughs> I really dig Cheerleader, and it's right up my alley. That's in my oh wheelhouse. My you dug deep, man. I always dig <laughs> deep. Yo, I'm like, we I'm find s- some gems. Oh, we will find right. some gems. I'm obsessive <laughs> about being prepared for stuff, but I, that's good. No, you're very prepared. I, you're the first <laughs> person ever asked me about Cheerleader like that. Well, let's dig in here because um, two things struck me. One, um, what did you learn from Cheerleader that you kind of took on to Palehound? And two, with the complexity and the lyrical depth of Palehound, 
do you feel like looking back at cheerleader like, oh, well, that was just kind of like this silly little thing? Or do you still kind of look at it with an adoring eye? Because you never, you know, what they say, you never forget your first. Yeah, well, I don't really look at it at all much anymore, but um, <laughs> with any eye. Um, because, yeah, I just kind of, yeah, that was like I was in high school, you know, that was just kind of like my, that was me and my best friend in high school. Um, and we were, you know, just kind of would rip bong and <laughs> record, you know, demos and, and we recorded that album. That was actually probably my biggest learning experience from Cheerleader in general was um, recording that little EP because my friend Max kind of learned how to use Logic and we just kind of like camped out for a week in the summer and, and made it. And that was kind of like a good exercise in like patience and self-recording and learning how to do that, I guess. But mostly that band was just like we would play to like, you know, three people at the local teen center and that was like the existence of the band <laughs> so it's but that yeah, music's funny, so raw and so like i said fun and straightforward i that's that's my thing that's the kind of stuff that turns me on as a musician oh cool yeah i mean i was definitely like going through a pixie phase <laughs> you know oh uh, yes <laughs> that stuff and i i i kind of like was going it was like my junior of high school and, and senior year and i was like taking the train into new york city to like see my friends post-punk bands and whatever so i was just kind of confused i thought i wanted to i don't know i was just kind of trying to do something <laughs> <laughs> i don't really remember much what do you think uh what do you think the 16 year old ellen would think of the 25 26 year old ellen i mean i i think about that a lot and i think that she'd be like pretty stoked i don't know nice. <laughs> like, yeah yeah you know, just because what of, else could you ask really, for Exactly. Like, I think, like, I always had this idea where it was like, I'm going to try to be a musician. I'm going to, like, you know, music is what I like, but I kind of was like, but everyone in my life is telling me that that's, like, the worst thing you could do. And so I think I always had in the back of my mind that it wasn't going to end up working or, or anything, or, like, my idea of, like, what making it would look like was would just change. Like, I've passed that goal, I guess, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And, like, I've opened for some of my heroes now and, like, just shit like that. Like, I opened for the breeders recently. Wow. Oh. That made me think. Yeah. <laughs> Which was amazing. And, like, Kim Deal was, like, so nice and told me that she, like, loves the song Aaron a lot. And, like, it was just, like, that really made me think about myself at 16 because if 16-year-old me had seen that, I mean, like, forget it. You would have been like Chris. You would have been like Chris Farley on Saturday Night Live, you know, interviewing like Ringo Starr or whatever. Like, oh, you remember yeah, that time, Ringo, when you guys crying. played that really big show? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just would have been like, yeah, I just would have been completely floored by that. That was like something that I would just like daydream about, and then it happened in real life. And it happened. So, yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Um, and that's a yes. really good vibe to wrap up on. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for calling in tonight. Before yes, we let you go, awesome. please yeah, tell everybody you. what you have coming up and where we can find you on the internet. Um, well, on the internet, um, my Instagram is at tailhound, as is my Twitter. Um, I don't really know how to use Facebook anymore, um, but <laughs> there's some stuff on there, I guess. Um, but no, I guess stuff coming up is uh, we're going on a national tour with Big Thief um, between October 11th and November 17th, and tickets are available for some of those shows still. Um, yeah, that's kind of. Are you playing Baltimore by any chance? Up. 
Baltimore, no, but we're playing DC. We're playing nine nine thirty club. Nice. All right. That one sold out already, though. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. 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 So the nine thirty club. I was like, okay, yeah. Let yeah, me wedge one more yeah. thing in here as we're talking about 16-year-old Ellen, 25-year-old Ellen. Do you have a any kind of explanation expectation for 35-year-old Ellen? Or are you just living in the moment and everything's totally organic? I don't know. Maybe hopefully by then I'll have a dog. That's all I see when I see her. Now I want to send you a dog just to make your dreams Yeah. Home. No, and I, don't, I can't have one yet. That's the whole point. You know, I, like, I'm not ready for one right now, but... Maybe when I'm 35, I will be. All right. Well, if I'm still talking awesome. to you when you're 35, we'll buy me and Odell will pitch in and get you a rescue for your 35th birthday. Oh, okay. That would be really nice. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Later. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Let's get out of here. Alan, again, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. We'll be back in two weeks with Skating Polly. And Odell, I never have a great ending line. I remember even in, in – elementary school I'd write stories and the hardest part was writing an ending you really yeah. need to help me out with ending these oh, shows because I could talk forever I've got you oh, right. that's, Take it away, that's it right there we should just there do you that go. I've got you I've, yep, got, I've you. got you no um so uh, because Dee's a weirdo Dee found at Walmart they have uh, Tyson has a new kind of chicken and it's air fried chicken and like we found the patties and on the back of the package this five dollar package of chicken there's a thing that you tear it off and you can get um a twenty dollar prepaid visa card if you take their little survey so there you go you i have i have given you the means to make fifteen dollars in five minutes and the chicken's really really good that's the amazing part it's cheap and it's really good and i'm like you're gonna pay me fifteen dollars to eat this bag of chicken Yes, please. I mean, yeah. So there you go. I gave you your your nugget of wisdom for the day. Good night, everybody.